0: listening to green rapids wow naomi. we got a professional on <laughs> our hands how many people are out for our jobs nancy <laughs> every
1: single one that we have every in person room. that
0: we've led in here we're like you're too good at this <laughs> you <laughs> okay, sound better give me the than mic back. me that's I it give it back Mm-mm. well that was naomi one of our colleagues at the urban core collective ooh, ooh. Yeah. she's here gra- uh, graduating she's here um from california But we'll be at graduation later for TLP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for that little feature. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, She's here because she does communication. So we're getting some pictures of what we're doing and videos and all that fun stuff. So thanks Naomi. Thank you. Today we're going to be talking about (laughs) women and climate. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was not expecting (laughs) You did something like that the last episode, and it just, I don't know, it was just as good. <laughs> Keep them coming, Nancy. I'll do. Yeah, we're talking about women and climate. Um, one, because we are women and climate. Mm-hmm, um, but also, it's something that just needs to be talked about more often. Uh, we need to be highlighted, and we are, what, 60% of
1: population? Just about, if not, yeah, yeah. just
0: about. And we are incredibly intelligent.
1: Mm-hmm. And people are just This just it in. Out. <laughs> like, <laughs> breaking news. It's really Woman exciting. <laughs> I'm excited
0: for you guys to hear about it. Where we're going to start is... Um,
1: Ecofeminism.
0: Ecofeminism. Mm-hmm.
1: Ecofeminism is a movement that sees a connection between the exploitation and degradation of the natural world and the subordination and oppression of women. And this movement emerged in the mid-1970s alongside the second wave feminism and the green movement. So I kind of merged those together because I did see how a lot of women were facing a lot of disparities in terms of how they were affected by their environment.
0: Yeah. BIPOC women do face disparities in climate at higher rates. Yeah. Um, it's actually proven and it's especially in women who live in poverty. It's like third world countries mm-hmm. are facing the largest impacts of our day to day lives and so it's or kind of like
1: inner cities too right?
0: Totally inner cities um, anybody who's living below a poverty line is mm-hmm. going to be most impacted and women of color are at the highest rate for that mm-hmm. reason being they are because of cultural boundaries are often le- the least educated in their homes they are the most compromised being pulled from school or work for with support
1: the the other things. totally with oh.
0: their family i mean i know that you've experienced having Absolutely. to be the oldest sibling of eight
1: the, the second mother
0: that's a second mom and so often you're compromised um, in doing your day-to-day life or mm-hmm. growing or investing in your health because Mm -hmm. you have to invest in others yeah they're also often sold to arranged marriages or being held captive into sex trafficking which Mm -hmm. rises as droughts and flooding does um in third world countries more Mm -hmm. than anything and then highly polluted areas as well
1: yeah it's like the more those basic needs aren't met the more that they're the more likely that Like the higher rates of crime that are going to be present, which could lead to more women being placed in danger or like less than ideal situations. And the
0: higher rate in crime is because they don't have the resources they need, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't have water, they don't have food, they don't have homes to go to. Mm -hmm. And so they start resorting to crime or having to... Quite literally sell a child because I mean, and that maybe sounds like the most wild thing. But again, it's a cultural difference that Mm. we face um, and they are all at risk. Um, So poor air quality, lack of nutrition and lack of access to health care and education are also large contributors to disease, health, um, health effects, birth defects, mental health and just your overall quality of life Mm. and lifespan. So, what I'm
1: hearing is that basically when women are not healthy. The rest of the population isn't healthy either. Well, who carries
0: all of our... Next generations right.
1: It's always women So it like if they're not is. Giving like the care That they need Or being in like A healthy environment Then that affects Like everything down the line too
0: Yeah it does And just to touch On that slightly It's because of Overexposures to Medicines Chemicals Or other toxic substances Infections Lack of nutrition And clean water mm-hmm. um, All of those Lead to Birth defects Which is the number one Reason for infant mortality mm-hmm. And so again It's going to impact Our future generations If we don't make sure That these women women are getting the help they need, that's going to impact the men (laughs) down the line. That's going to impact everybody Mm -hmm. and um, populations for years. And this is a report from the World Bank. Mm-hmm. org says by 2050 216 million people across the world will need to move countries but if we start with like yes. green initiatives and we start to support a resilient development uh, we could reduce the scale of climate migration by 80 percent
1: oh that's, that's so
0: huge so obviously millions of people mm-hmm. are still going to be displaced but like Really think about what that means to be in a space like Michigan. Mm -hmm. We're surrounded by water. Um, So it's just, we really should start thinking about it. It's not just you hopping in your car. It's not just you drinking bottled water. It's not just the way that we heat our homes anymore. It's impacting so many other people yeah Yeah. and
1: part of why it's going to impact michigan even more too is actually that michigan is actually a climate refuge it is because we are surrounded by so much nature and so much water like we're actually going to get some of the softer effects and we're not technically landlocked because we've got the lakes on all sides but we're not like touching an ocean so we're a little bit safer from like the fury of nature on that Sorry.
0: Oh, and then the fury of nature, like hurricanes and the
1: hurricanes and okay. storms and like rising. Um, remember, don't forget the sea levels are going to be rising. too. Yes. So we're not going to be. Lo- I mean, we might lose a little bit of our coastlines, but because we're not the ocean, like I think it's going to be significantly less. So you were mentioning about how all these different factors affect women. And one of the first women who noticed people dying in these really concentrated hot spots due to the environment was actually hazel m johnson ooh, ooh. um so hazel m johnson um started to become an activist in her own community of outguild gardens which was a housing project on the south side of chicago while she was watching tv one day she re- um learned that the south side had the highest cancer rate of any area in the whole city of chicago and that's a lot of people so she was like why is it that just like my neighborhood has like such high cancer rates so, she started investigating her own neighborhood and um, noticed that there was also, like, a lot of children suffering from respiratory illnesses. Mm. And then she was like, wait a minute. We are built on a landfill and we're surrounded by toxicity. Yeah. So, it turned out that Outgeld Gardens was built, you know, like I said, on a landfill. And they were surrounded by industry. So, they were just being, like, drowned in just all these toxins. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, like, foul odors in the air regularly. Um, Their homes had asbestos and elevated lead levels, like... Right. Any box you could check that was an environmental Especially issue or concern, Algator Gardens was like, a. like we got all those checks.
0: And that's um because of like how homes were built. Like, this yeah. is just things that are out of people's control.
1: And redlining too. Like, yeah, you know, totally. that like a lot of times communities of color are the ones that are often placed in these less than ideal housing situations. Oh,
0: and you know what? I just want to throw out there less than mm-hmm. ideal housing situations too. Like, how many women of color are left to. Um, take care of their families yeah. alone mm-hmm. because of things like over policing in areas mm-hmm. or because yeah. of things like resorting to crime because you don't have mm-hmm. another option or, you know, again, that being uneducated or whatever it is. And that all is a result of like being forced into undesirable areas, mm-hmm. which is something that's happened to BIPOC communities for centuries. Yeah, it's just the theme.
1: hmm. Yeah, and then I, could, I, I like that you kind of made those connections just from hearing about the fact that she was living in less than ideal environment and that it's a housing project. You could already draw mm-hmm. these connections to it's probably also an over police place. There probably are also men missing and getting taken out of the voting population.
0: Totally. So
1: they can even, they're like also have like reduced democracy power too. Johnson actually founded the People for Community Recovery, which is an organization that would help residents advocate for having that pot toxic waste removed and they started having workshops and trainings on how to recognize environmental lead and test for lead poisoning dang she was like we're gonna diy this shit, she was you know? everybody's
0: mama she, she was, was like everybody's come everybody's here i'm gonna take mama. care of you <laughs> she was like let
1: me show you how to do this i love that um, it also encouraged youth to recognize their connection to the environment and how to keep their environment clean Again, huge, because they're already surrounded by so much filth. It's like, okay, you can't just make it dirtier. You have to try to make it better, you know? And
0: youth is our future. Mm -hmm. And if they can teach their future children um, these better practices, Mm -hmm. like your city is going to be better off. Yes. No
1: doubt. Uh And there's some on-the-ground data collection with her neighbors. They um, conducted surveys that provided evidence about how these minority residents we actually suffering from environmental pollution. Mm. So she was just, like, literally just, like, boots on the ground. She said,
0: I got receipts. She's like, I got receipts. <laughs> she
1: was running the survey. She was, like, collecting all this data and then, like, um, you know, just trying to do something about it. So
0: she really devoted her life.
1: She did. And then she even actually went on to create change on a global scale. So she, would, um, she was part of committees and groups that would hold businesses and governments accountable for their actions in the government. Okay. Uh, She collaborated with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Okay. I know. And she was one of the part of the team of activists who urged President Lincoln to sign the Environmental Justice Executive Order. Okay, Hazel. I know. She was like, (laughs) I'm so sad. Let's do this. (laughs)
0: Oh my God. She was like, uh uh.
1: I know. She's like, we're not going to play
0: like Not my grandkids. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs>
1: um, so you know, sh- she's been really recognized for that work there, and that's part of why she's known affectionately as the mother of environmental justice.
0: And she's our neighbor, guys. Chicago is right down the street from us. Kind of, mm. yeah. Huh? It, it is. Yeah. It's, it's as close as Detroit. And it the next person I want to highlight is um is tiffany ashley bell yeah oh. so she actually is known for the work that she's doing to help people with their water bills the united states has a water problem specifically it's expansive mm-hmm. and something that's simple as a leaky toilet can cause your water bill to skyrocket mm. and so it's to help people retain their water she founded the human utility <gasps> which is a Detroit Water Project, which is a nonprofit that um, enables donors to pay outstanding water bills for people in Detroit with a click of a button. Wow. Um, since then, she has extended her organization to reach many different cities in Maryland, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Um, so she noticed that a lot of people were having a hard time paying their water bills. It was like a, like this issue across the city, and it still is today. And um, she looked into the dynamics, and a lot of those people were disabled. Mm-hmm. Or they were older people or so the elderly and disabled people who are in fixed incomes. It's like, why are these people the ones who are having issues with their water? Um, And then furthermore, just people who simply can't afford it because water is way more expensive than it should be. I will continue to say like water is not a privilege it's a right and nobody should be paying for it
1: can we plug this website in case somebody wants to pay a fellow humans water bill yeah so this is
0: the human utility is like the project they're founded under but is the detroitwaterproject.org so you can help uh, with a water bill or you can ask for help with a water bill since July of 2014, over 4,500 people who believe water is a human right, and they have helped over 1,800 families with their water bills. So it's just a really great organization. Um, mm-hmm. She's helping the people in her city, but also with like a very tangible way of supporting them.
1: And I like that it's very direct because I feel like totally. a lot of assistance programs are like, "Oh, we're going to subsidize this company that's already pocketing all this money." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <to> <laughs> and help its and, residents
1: or constituents. And then this one's yeah. more like, no, you're going to directly pay somebody's bill yeah. and not pay the company for charging somebody for their water.
0: And I don't know what, like, the application process is like and I don't want the don't. I don't know what the donation process is like. I want to be really transparent about that. But um I, I, but I, I think it's it pretty, think. pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's a good place if you want to donate to somebody and make an impact in your community. It will likely go to Detroit. But again, Detroit is only a couple hours away. It is in our state and it's America's our neighbors. Buried, yeah. yeah, totally. Um, so, and one more person, and this is somebody that Naomi sent us, Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha. She was having a glass of wine in her kitchen with two friends when one friend, a water expert, asked if she was aware of what was happening in Flint, Michigan.
1: I thought it's like, with two friends, but one friend, a water expert. The other friend was apparently not notable.
0: Well, she, no, she was a wine expert. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also notable. They did talk about this. <laughs> um, so she's a pediatrician. And she found she knew that they changed the water sources the previous year instead of channeling from the Great Lakes. They were now drinking from the Flint River. And she said that the water wasn't treated properly because of corrosion control.
1: Oh, because it's destroying the pipes that it's going through. Yep.
0: Which is going to lead to having lead in your water. Mm -hmm. So Naomi's read her book. Should we give her a little bit?
1: Give her a little bit.
0: Here, I'm going to let you plug this because you gave us this but she has a book on the Flint water crisis and kind of how it began. Let's hear it.
2: Hey, it's Naomi. In talking to Nancy and Erica about this podcast episode, I thought it was important to highlight the pediatrician who broke the Flint water crisis. And she goes in detail in her book, what the eyes don't see. And I had Actually, had to read that as part of my coursework oh. in an environmental sustainability course. Okay, and it really just it impacted me in a way um, because we, you know, so many things happen within our in our cities and governments, and it affects our daily lives, and we may not know. Mm-hmm. So the thing was was that she realized this and children were coming into her office, her, her patients, mm-hmm. who are, you know, little kids, and they were showing symptoms of lead poisoning and Legionnaire's disease. So she talks about before she started researching, and in breaking that, told one of her patients' mother mm-hmm. to boil her water, and when if she's making formula, or actually they were trying to get formula that was pre-mixed mm. to give to mothers, mostly as as the as the water contamination just got worse and worse and worse, she was the one who was raising the alarms and getting other people involved and trying to really alert people to this crisis that was happening. Mm. And because of that, You know, now now we understand and know all the things that happened and, you know, went wrong. The water was switched from the Detroit River, which is a source of freshwater that is connected to like the lake. And then the Flint River is connected to the Detroit River, but it has its own, you know, issues there. So part of that was it eroded the pipes and caused all of these issues. And um, Flint still doesn't have clean drinking water yep. to this day, folks.
0: Um, can we say that again? Flint still does not have clean drinking water. And this has been going on for over eight years.
1: In case you missed it, Flint still doesn't have drinking water.
0: Um, but we really do want to give a shout out because these are people who are in our neighborhood, right? These are people who are in our backyard, and these are things that we are likely going to um, face if we don't make changes in our own neighborhoods. Um, so Little Miss Flint is a 14-year-old from Flint. Um, and <laughs>
1: Surprise!
0: Mari <laughs> Kopney. Um, and she wrote a letter to President Obama about the water crisis. Really? And she prompted him to come visit the city and check it out leading him to approve $100 million on relief for the city. Um, so she made a huge difference in her community just by writing a letter and just by being compelling and being like, yo, we're in a crisis. But
1: what did that money do? It sounds like there's still a well, problem. Well, $100 million. Uh, Dropping the ball? And yeah, I guess that's kind of jump change. To a well,
0: service, it's hundred. So. It's Chump change, it's <sighs> it's not maybe having time I mean that was at the end of his term I mean
1: especially because if I had to guess I would say that that money probably went towards the city who then added all these administrative fees and it's, it's a grant, is it, it. not? They
2: went to replace the pipes in the city but the connections from the city pipes to homes are what still needs to be replaced
0: Um, It's just really important to continue to highlight these people who are making these discoveries in health and in our environment because they're going to continue to, like, bridge to our futures and create better solutions. So somebody who created great solutions, I'm sure you know a lot about them. We all do.
1: Jane Goodall.
0: Mama. All right.
1: So a lot of you are familiar with Jane Goodall. She's kind of like one of the poster people, um of just, like, woman out in science. hmm so um, She is
0: an ethologist, or uh, w- her science is ethology, which is the study of animal behavior.
1: Nice. Yeah. I love a new word. Um, so she's, like, <laughs> especially well-known for, um, you know, studying chimpanzees mm-hmm. in the rainforest to the point that she would just be out there, like, living with them, you know? Yep, and this was the, what,
0: the Gombe Stream National Park, mm-hmm. I believe that's in Africa.
1: Uh, but she was especially relevant in um, standing up against poaching. And as most of you know, poaching is like uh, hunting, trapping, or fishing illegally. And it threatens wildlife species worldwide, including chimpanzees, um, which are eaten for their meat or kept as pets. And it's also dangerous for elephants because people kill them for their ivory. Oh, uh, the dude, it's my
0: least. Like all animal like cruelty is terrible, but like that one fucking gets me, Nancy. Like killing an entire elephant for your tusks. It's
1: like can we just not I don't know. I just feel like there's better ways of doing it. I mean,
0: anyway. either way, it's like leave the tusks alone. They're not yours.
1: Naomi? I love the information
0: about this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Naomi her. is literally the person who should be sitting in this room right <laughs> now. Hold on. She's about to drop some more knowledge on tusks.
2: <laughs> on, tusks. <laughs> have to say it <laughs> on tusks um well to avoid having elephants killed just for their tusks because it's not actually you know it, it's a fight with um poachers mm-hmm. so it's a side effect like the elephant dying is a side effect of the poacher's trying to get the tusks off and so wildlife protectors uh they cut the tusks while the elephant is young so they're not poached
1: yeah i've also heard of some that went for adult elephants that they like dye the tusks like a certain kind of with a certain kind of dye that makes the ivory worthless too Mm -hmm.
0: yeah um and i think that's changes that will eventually change the genetics of elephants right mm. like if we're cutting their tusks at the, a young age and they're not growing they're going to completely stop growing tusks at some point
1: kind of how humans are gonna evolve out of having pinky toes because we don't use them anymore
0: or how humans will have humps in our backs because we're on our phones
1: so much. that's gonna be the next evolution <laughs> we're gonna have a war we're all gonna be backs. fetus like little like fetal people in like Pods, you know oh my god
0: just like like (laughs) wally literally just like wally no but this is such a good point because things like habitat changes and deforestation are a huge reason why not only animals like chimpanzees and um elephants are impacted but also tigers jane goodall did work with nasa and actually is still doing work with nasa she's alive i'm gonna be honest i thought she was dead Damn.
1: is that rude is she like
0: she's old, old. yeah okay. she's like up i've there. been hearing
1: about her since i was in high school that's what i'm saying
0: she's like well over 80 years old wow um, look at her
1: go but
0: she's working with nasa using satellite images yeah, to show the correlation sense, uh, between deforestation and the population of animals like chimpanzees and tigers to show data um, on how the populations differ in conservations and protected areas versus not
1: that's bananas. I
0: dude, she just like continues to be the baddest of all. Mm-hmm. Like you really just lived with some chimps. You really just travel 300 days a year
1: and then live to just like retire. <laughs> I mean, she, maybe she's not even retired. She's, she's not, she's not even retired
0: because like- she's not working. She's living. She's protecting us all.
1: Wow.
0: um, But she received the Goldman Environmental Prize, which is like the Nobel Peace Prize of environmental, environmental science.
1: Yeah. Well, that's something that I should have known, but I didn't. So. Did you know
0: 60% of the winners of more than 200 prize winners are women? Women in right. nah, nah. climate. And so, one other person who got the award is Sylvia Earle who was oh. the first female chief scientist of the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Go Sylvia! She continues to inspire action to um, end overfishing and pollution in our oceans. Oh. And I'm going to let you plug another person. We've plugged yeah. her before, but we wanted you to know about these marine biologists and all the work that My they're doing. My
1: favorite marine biologist is Ayana Elizabeth Johnson, and she is also advocating to end overfishing and pollution in our oceans um she's also really active in a lot of the spheres that are kind of like geopolitical in terms of like you know environmental and how they intersect with politics she reminds us that some of the important things we can do are collective action yeah. and figuring out like whatever you do best just try to find a way to do that for climate change yeah um and she um has a podcast with her co-host called how to save a planet and it is of my favorite podcast how to Other save than this planet. one, obviously.
0: I mean, hers is probably second best to this one, right? Well. <laughs> Damn it, dude. I really thought we were going to get somewhere with that. It's okay. Sorry. She's been doing it longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's a marine <laughs> biologist. I got a GED in 2020. I
1: have an art degree. (laughs) Yeah. No, we're good. We're good.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. So definitely highlight her and continue to listen to what she has to say, because I think um, these women are the places that we're getting a lot of our education from, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're paving ways.
1: They are paving ways. I mean, they inspired us to be here to an extent, too, which is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you wanted to tell me about Charlene Bodley.
0: Just because I really like what she's doing, and this is somebody who's more uh, a little bit more current. Um, so she is working with the Rocky Mountain Institute in this Wire program, which is Women in Renewable Energy. Um, so she leads that program, uh, which is a network for advocating for increased gender equality in leadership positions across the network sector,
1: mm-hmm. in
0: government agencies utilities regulators and private sector entities um so she's yeah she's addressing the gender imbalance in stem and other um, vital places when stem is what science technology, technology
1: Engineering and mathematics.
0: I'm so glad Nancy's here right now. <laughs> I just, I was just about to talk about something I didn't know. The acronym. Well, to. I also well,
1: mostly because like they use Steam a lot too, and then Steam yeah. just has art. Art. After
0: yep. Thing, so. God, thank you for saying that. Sometimes when I hear STEM, I'm like, I swear to God, I thought it was Steam. And then sometimes I hear Steam, and I'm like, I swear to God, I thought it was STEM. It's both. It's both.
1: Yeah, it just depends on the program.
0: Yeah. One other person I would like to highlight is uh, this <laughs> a woman who is local. She helps run a garden, is a <laughs> climate justice organizer. Also just works really hard to continue to influence her people around her and educating children as well. Um, her name is Nancy Morales. And um, I think that we (laughs) we need to be recognized as people, as individuals. And I think it's really nice to hear. And not to say that I think that our work is any more difficult or is any more... Special, special, groundbreaking, <laughs> anything mm-hmm. valuable. It's just um, I think we're both noticing a lot of um, the disparities, mm-hmm. the differences, the um, lack of representation yeah. in women of color and environment, mm-hmm. especially in the city. And so I think I've, I was super excited to highlight a handful of women of color today. Wow,
1: well, thanks. Dude, of course. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do it without you.
0: We're, we're a really good team. We're a good team. Is there anybody else you want to highlight or anything else you want to talk about as far as women and climate?
1: I know that there's so many out there and there's a lot of like really lovely folks that I've been following on Instagram. Uh, the handle is Climate and Color. Yeah. And she makes some really good posts about kind of like the intersection of race and climate justice or climate change. So yeah, there's a lot of really good accounts. If you guys ever just want to check out who we are following on Instagram, we also follow a lot of really cool accounts that... Are really relevant and just have a lot of contemporary, kind of just like live, quick information about the current landscape in terms of like climate justice.
0: Listen to all those baddies.
1: All the baddies.
0: Seeing, ladies. Um, hot girls
1: care about climate change.
0: Dude, only the hottest. And they get hotter as the climate <laughs> gets hotter. <laughs> it's about to be a real hot girl summer if we don't get our stuff together yeah, our, our friend
1: abby made a sign for the climate march that we were in a couple weeks ago and her sign said this is not what i meant by hot girl summer
0: it is not i repeat we want a we want a cold girl summer when it comes to climate
1: <laughs> Do we know? but then like we have a cold summer that oh i know okay let me take regals. it back
0: we just want a normal girl summer <laughs> she's neutral she's, she's neutral a- She's stable. (laughs) She's stable. (laughs) She's incredibly stable. She takes supplements. She gets really good sleep. (laughs) She has. She has a really healthy set of boundaries and has spends good time with her friends. (laughs) That's the kind of summer we want. Climate baddie. Um, What's our call to action? (laughs) Get out of (laughs) here.
1: A call to action is Are do some research about, about someone that you want. Wait, find you a
0: climate baddie?
1: Find you a climate
0: baddie. Ooh, I challenge every every oh, person who Dion. identifies as a woman to become a climate baddie this become month. Become a
1: climate baddie. Do it, dude. Tell all your friends about climate change. Also,
0: the climate's trending, like Billie Eilish was definitely on the cover of a magazine mm-hmm. with some climate activists. Lizzo definitely highlighted some climate activists mm-hmm. in one of her shows.
1: I think Paloma Faith, There's something about climate justice too. During like that fancy celebrity event that they had. Oh no! Forget, How about things.
0: this? Be a climate baddie and post about it. Like <gasps> oh, I, um, I encourage you ooh, to post.
1: climate baddie. Ooh,
0: well, I do climate cutie. I like
1: climate. Cutie.
0: You can be a climate cutie. You can be a climate baddie. And honestly, you don't have to present as a woman to do this. But like. We just are feeling the the very feminine vibes within this conversation. So you you're supporting ecofeminism mm-hmm. by being a climate cutie, mm-hmm. climate baddie. You
1: are being an ecofeminist, dude.
0: You're doing it not just for Mother Nature, but for your literal mom. <laughs>
1: for the mom version of yourself in the future, maybe if you don't have kids yet
0: like, Make sure that your friends and family know That you're looking to be a little bit more eco-friendly mm-hmm. um, Whether or not you're going to listen To um, How to Save a Planet And you want to post about that mm-hmm. Maybe Green Rapids Podcast you want to post about um, Maybe you want to take one of the Tools that we've given you over the past few weeks And just say hey this is what I'm doing For more
1: ideas you can look at our Previous episode it's the little things Yeah
0: um, so thank you so much For listening Bye